A lot of people are curious on, you know, how do they actually join such a company? Like, how do I, you know, get hired? Those are typical things, right? Like, a designer, if I look at it, it's more like my job to be done. What's my job to be done? I want to get hired. I want to get paid better. I want to do better things in life. They have questions like, should I join a startup or established company because I want to create an impact? Because that impact looks like a big word for my generation and coming generations as well. How do I choose between these two? Where do I get started? Sure. So, so multiple aspects. And we have discussed many of these pointers before during the conversation. Uh, you should know what you want to do, right? Uh, you could be a person who is really good at working with ambiguity and you know you are good at possibly taking a, a very early stage startup from zero to ten and could be a personality which could take in what is built and raw and you could build it to next level so you need to know yourself as a personality and i would suggest uh, if if i had that kind of a choice and if i was picking between two jobs i would do what what i have not done Right. I would try and break my comfort zone and get into something which I've not done before. So if I have been with a company, so in my case, what happened is I started my career with Human Factors International. Now that, that is a consultancy and I, I was working with a lot of domains like uh, B2B, B2C, uh, there was education, there was oil and gas, there was banks and you know it, it was multiple from the time of HFI, I chose to go in a product company and then it was multiple products uh, with Network 18. And from there, we started CleverTap, which okay. was no product and uh, at a stage where we are uh, a well-established uh, Series C funded startup. So it has been a very, very different journey altogether. So you, as a designer, need to break out of your comfort zone, in my opinion. What you've done before, probably you're good at it. You should explore something else uh, than what you've been doing so far. And uh, creating impact, I feel, Madhuri, that it is totally up to you to create an impact. You know, a star won't stop shining if kept in dark, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So in my opinion, it doesn't matter. If you are brilliant, if you're doing your job 200%, if, if you are doing the right things, uh, impact will be created impact is an after effect of your work how should i say this it's not something which you should consider already and get into a job it is up to you to create that impact it's it's very personal i would suggest pick whatever excites you to be honest and contribute 100 percent be on top of your work keep learning and keep connected all the time and and contribute Impact is personal is a very important statement. I guess it should be shouted out of rooftops as well because we tend to view impact with other people or compare ourselves. I think that should change. Coming to the next question, as an interview, how do I know if a startup is good for me? What are the red flags or green flags in choosing one? When you apply, right, you feel that you need to research well. Uh, don't just apply because there is a position in a startup because you may not end up liking the work they do you may not like the domain they are in you may not end up liking the team or whatever the reason right so uh, before applying i would suggest you should do your thorough research ask yourself questions like uh, does the problem interest you 
uh, is your skill set apt for solving that problem with the existing team are your salary expectations matching with the phase of startup because it could very well be a very early phase startup and they may not be able to pay you if you are leaving from a big company and joining a startup they may not be able to match your expectations to just reiterate it's it's not the startup mm-hmm. fit for me but it's the other way am i good for this startup or not i need to evaluate that is my skill set good enough is my expectation right for this only then you go and apply you have mm-hmm. to have some skin in the game if yeah. you're joining a startup in coming to terms with the salaries and all of that a uh, very important question that many startups are asking are about the stock percentages esops and all of them how much of this should we consider when we join them or are they really something that i should even think about what is the situation in these aspects it's a it's a huge topic again madhuri and i'm no expert in finances to be honest with you but i'd say that you align your expectation uh, with the scale of the company if it yes. is an early phase and you are contributing significantly as one of the founding members of the team mm-hmm. you can definitely expect more but if you are joining a stable well funded startup with most of the top line leadership already hired you don't have to expect yourself to get a significant percent unless okay. you are joining at a leadership role i mean i wouldn't be able to comment on what percent you should expect or not but it really depends on what stage the company is at and what role are you going to join because if you're joining at a very senior leadership level it's still open to give you stock options as opposed to uh, a junior level okay we're going to flip it and look at the hiring side of things uh, mm-hmm. from now on one of the questions which we've gotten previously as uh, being as part of experience guide and other i'm from a b2b startup and i don't get designers to come and work with me because they don't find it flashy enough for any other reasons because you are a company that is very technical and deals with a lot of data and all of that how do you actually appeal to the designer so so it's a constant battle right should i uh... should i join especially for the newly graduate people and uh, people who like to work for the companies which are known uh, these so b2c companies i feel they are better known you can tell your family and friends about them hey i'm working with gojek or i'm working with zomato and <laughs> and instantly they know they they build a connection oh that is not the case with b2b and somehow i feel most of the designers being very focused on what they do they are not even exposed to to many of b2b tools to appreciate uh, the complexity of these tools or appreciate the workflows these tools or appreciate the problems these tools solve for the end users and which is why i think the lack of empathy or lack of interest in to to apply for a b2b company as opposed to a b2c company the other question that they generally uh, on the startup side or on the a little more uh, you know growing company basically tends to ask us when should i get my designer in like point should i do this mm-hmm. so most of the time when you start you are a loner and part of founding team so you are the only designer you are working with co-founders yourself but but the first logical fork i see happening uh, 
is between product and marketing responsibilities. Each of these is a beast in itself. I'm, I'm sure uh, you know that. You want yeah. to one and stick to it because mm -hmm. company grows, you need specialists as opposed to generalists. And uh, maybe a great uh, product designer with awesome solutioning skill set. But my visual skill may not be as polished as someone who's deep into graphics, right? Mm -hmm. uh, identify that need when it comes and let that stream of design grow naturally. So that was that's how we did it at Clevertap, to be honest. That was the first forking out. Um, mm -hmm. And then for the product side, I see the team growing into five key areas of expertise. And I'll, I'll actually briefly mm -hmm. talk about each in a nutshell. Not that we hired all five areas of expertise together. We are getting to it one by one now. But to start with, right? One, you are the you are the only person who is working on the product. Now, uh, marketing responsibilities of you, you need to zoom out a little bit, and you need to you know focus on a little bigger picture. You need a UX designer, someone who does end-to-end -end UX design, someone who will understand the solution, someone who will work with you. And then we'll be able to come up with detailed workflows and interface and interactions. So this is a UX designer position. So you want to hire a second you possibly as, as the mm -hmm. company. Uh, then after you'll realize that you both are working in different directions and suddenly there is a difference in the design language, right? And then you'll feel <laughs> the need of having a design system and hence a design system manager as a logical next uh, higher the simple style guide it's a vast field and you would want someone dedicated for that role and here key is to hire somebody who is nuanced at ui design as opposed to be stuck at hiring someone experienced at this role because trust me i've been wanting to hire a design system manager but there are not enough people in the market who are experienced at this role so you fail to recruit if you do expect a you know seasoned design manager um, you can also consider training somebody good at ui within your own team and help them shape their career into this direction or you can hire a, a fresher who's who wants to do graphics or visual or and shape their career in that direction so that's that's the second role. the third most ux researcher as far as the product side is concerned this role is immensely important not just to you know, propagate the user feedback into the product, but I feel it helps you to understand customers without a polluted mind. This role needs to use some non-traditional studies to understand the user behavior from, from ground up uh, and doing not the secondary or tertiary research, but, but talking to customers one-on-one -on -one and helping you to shape the design philosophy of your, your product. Uh, mm. So, after I have a good, you know, uh, good team of UX designers and design system, I would go for a UX researcher as a very next position. This process, last but not the least, I would hire a brilliant UX writer. We are not talking about this role more often, but mm -hmm. designs are incomplete without a human-friendly copy, right? Uh, ignore this, and you're, you're losing half of your experience where uh, designers want to know like what to include in their case studies do they need to have different portfolio for different type of domains and what kind of portfolio website should they have you know 
that is the set of questions they generally have and it would be lovely to hear from your season perspective as you're hiring and you're continuously hiring what do you usually how do you actually view them so as far as uh, portfolios are concerned i have uh, uh, an opinion on portfolios and detailing of the portfolio etc but but just to touch upon the point which you said uh, mm -hmm. should i make a different portfolio for each domain it is i think not needed because if you build a consolidated portfolio it shows diversity so you need to direct your conversations i feel with the recruiter or design manager in question as to mm -hmm. how your diversity in your experience uh, aligns to the job in question so let's say you are coming from a b2c setup and and you have worked on some app also in the past and you have done you have been exposed to some engineering coding also you need to if i am the design manager who is hiring you you need to be you need to tell me how you think you will be fit for this role which i'm hiring for so mm. it what to do with uh, uh, with how do you align yourself and for that i think research is very important what is this job profile all about and what 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 you are expected to do and really do you fit for that job so building different portfolios or resumes really not not required because you lose that touch of diversity yeah yeah okay how do you actually view the portfolio when it comes to you uh saying that you know this is somebody we are considering to hire for our team what are the main pointers if you would look at like if you have top 3 and you know it doesn't fit so we just take this portfolio away or if it fits we are considering for future rounds how does it go through okay so uh portfolios actually come in and when i look at them uh most of these portfolios look very similar to each other right okay they are visually very same i need to really dig deep into every project and try and understand what that project is all about and how the candidate has described it in the portfolio you know what is the problem they are trying trying to solve have they described a process to come up with a solution have they considered options for what problem they are trying to solve in that project right pros and cons of each approach which they have considered right yeah. and reasons to pick what finally made its way into the portfolio so so that holds true for the case studies as well right because uh, because on the look of a portfolio you can't say much they visually look same to me in the first go um, and this is how i dig deep into the portfolios and mostly when i interview the candidates uh, i would pick a project or two from within their portfolio then talk about these projects got it I think we have covered most questions. Let me just go through and see if uh, we missed out any. Just one second. Uh, okay. Important. Yeah. One other question was uh, importance of portfolio evaluating candidates, whiteboard versus take-home assignments. Would you like to share uh, your current process or an opinion about these aspects? so i'm not a big fan of take home assignments to be honest because uh, a they delay the process so don't know whether the candidate has the problem solving capability in a real life scenario because in your day to day life a team is going to sit together and work out a solution as a team not 
that they are going to tell you okay sleep over this problem come back tomorrow and let let me hear your point of view right so uh, so that's where i think the whiteboarding is more efficient as opposed to take home assignments we do not give take home assignments as part of clever tap assessment for a candidate give them only when we have a little bit of doubt on the skill set etc uh, to to clear our doubts otherwise we don't give it's a, it's a very clear set process where we know who's doing the first round we know what to ask in that first round uh, rather what to evaluate in that first round and then it goes to somebody and then you know finally because design as a discipline in clever tap reports directly into ceo um, mm. and the final round is done by the ceo uh but whiteboarding is something which we do because uh, we love to give them real life problems and we love to see how they come up with solutions for those real life problems in a short span of time so it helps yeah. us understand the attitude it helps us understand the body language it helps us understand whether candidate is faking it or not because most often in the home assignments you can do all kind of research also and come back right Uh, at that point of time when you are sitting with the team these promptness uh, kind of things are more important got it got it do you have a memorable interview experience you'd like to share very recently actually yes uh, two roles we hired for one was uh, a researcher and one was a ux writer researcher here in question was actually called for an interview and we said okay we'll we'll schedule the interview during this saturday or something because saturday you need to be available for the working professionals right yeah and we soon realized okay we have a workshop happening in the office on saturday but the candidate still showed up uh, despite of us communicating that uh, okay it's saturday we need not be available so she showed up and uh, she participated in the workshop without keeping any expectation of the interview so to say showed the willingness to go extra mile know the company meet the team already you know generally talk to people so she showed up and since she was a part of workshop we said why not because she's anyway here let's spend 15 minutes of time with her yeah. right and we went about it. spent some uh, not 15 minutes but it was a good conversation for about 40 to 45 minutes and and it gave me a great insight onto uh, not just the skill set but it it told me about the attitude of the candidate and you know her willingness to go extra mile etc so that was a saturday so mm-hmm. immediately scheduled the next round uh, with the candidate and with the next uh, person who was going to interview on monday mm-hmm. showed up on monday and it was done in two days wow yeah and we we rolled out an offer she came back with acceptance and and it was a smooth thing as mm-hmm. opposed to one phone call and then going back and forth and you know scheduling and number of interviews giving assignments to be honest i don't believe in going so back and forth after doing a lot of interviews and working with a lot of people you know that you are going to ha- hire this person for your team within first 10 to 15 minutes of the interview after that time if it is not going in the right direction and we give the feedback there and then awesome that is actually very exciting to hear so should we consider this as a hack to work with our favorite companies absolutely see it's it's not just about your skill set madhuri like i said right it is it's a lot more 
for the hiring manager than just the skill set as we bucket it it's it's the will it's the skill it's the culture fit it's it's ability to go extra mile and these all aspects are only evaluated when you meet a person face to face somehow so come to know so we do our process is actually to you know do a phone round it's a very brief uh, 15 to 20 minutes of phone round then you know you get a sense of what kind of a personality it is we if we feel it is appropriate candidate we call them to our office so that they can have a look at the office they can meet the team and they can do a little whiteboarding with us and if it is going in the right direction we do not give the assignment we move the candidate to the next level and and these are all the as these are all the aspects which we observe during uh, interview process got it yeah uh, i think that ends all the questions that we had would you like to answer one final question in relation to the new joinees um which is what will you advise to newly joined designers how should they handle performance pressure it, it's a very asked question by somebody who has just joined a new company and all of that yeah uh, and this is a brilliant question because i put myself in this position and if i just try and visualize what i would have done and i tell this to my interns as well uh, jump in the deep waters immediately it may mm. sound a little bit intimidating at first but in the long run that is something which will take you through uh, you will learn about real problems you will learn about real pressures you learn about real limitations and have real discussions i would also suggest them to take uh, develop a habit of taking notes that is when you are listening and absorbing uh, yeah. the process you need to ask a lot of questions because that's how you learn right the quality of your life depends on the quality of questions you ask uh, yes self updated uh, make an extra effort to learn about the entire product rather than focusing you are a new joiner you've been given a, a project don't sit in a silo and only work on that project make an extra effort read documentation talk to different departments learn about entire product rather than limiting yourself to that one project uh, got it these are many advices but but really these pointers i think uh, help so fail yes. fast not get it right in one go but doing <laughs> regular cycles of feedback and asking questions uh, you will learn and you will also get noticed because because you are working in a high performance and high pressure kind of a situation you want to make an impact right so these <laughs> are some behavioral aspects which will i think make a lot of difference and last two points you need to take end to end ownership of what you do even if it is the smallest of thing which is given to you last but not the least help others and have the right attitude uh, that will take you through any pressure those are a wonderful set of points i don't think anybody has articulated them as better as this right now very glad actually because design is not just about skill i feel it's it's also about willingness to learn it's also about you know how you absorb and reflect it it's 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 an amalgamation of a lot of things and as a designer you need to not just develop your skills but you also need to develop your attitude towards towards solving the problem it is it is to do a lot about empathy so if towards your team or towards your organization how will you show it towards the users 
habits. So I think uh, right attitude uh, is the key here, rather than yes. developing your skill and you know taking certifications and master's courses. Mm-hmm.